Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So today, um, we're going to talk about uh, faith and what it looks like. And I, I feel like anytime we talk about faith, and especially where I'm going to be today in Hebrews 11, I need to make sure that everybody is on the same page as we talk about faith, because it's going to look a lot like what you do, because that's what we're going to talk about, what they did. Um, it, it was faith, and in their faith, they did something in that faith. Uh, it was counted to them as righteousness. So I just want to make sure everybody in this room hears that we're talking about what starts inside of us, but what starts inside of us in our relationship with Jesus Christ always works its way out. And if it doesn't work its way out, then something's wrong. Um, and so I want to read, uh, out of Ephesians two, just so we're all in the same page, um, because you may hear me say this and then still think it. And some of us may be sitting in this room filled with guilt and shame because you're thinking to yourself, I have not done enough for Jesus when our beginning is who we are in him and what he's done for us. So Ephesians two, starting in verse eight, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. So today, when we talk about faith, I want us to understand that the the beginning of what God is doing in us always starts here and always starts with us trusting him. And so my one thing that I want you to hear today is saving faith. Um, is living like Jesus is greater, which I told you last week. And um, by the end of your time here at Reach, you may be totally sick of Jesus is greater, but there's nothing better uh, than that. So you're going to hear it over and over and over again. And uh, you may or may not be wearing a T-shirt with that on it in January. Um, because literally that's what it looks like. And we're going to peer through um, Hebrews 11... Actually, we're going to start in Hebrews 10, 39, because you kind of need to know um, 39 is important as we jump in to um, chapter 11. But before we get there, I want to ask, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, a good majority of my time in the corner as we're singing songs and worshiping Jesus is asking Jesus to do what I can. And I, I can communicate and I can read <laughs> Scripture But if the Holy Spirit doesn't do something with it, it's just another moment that won't change us. And we want moments to change us. We want one thing after another as what what we're hearing from the Lord. We want it to go, what are you asking of me? Because your, your best life, and I hate to quote kind of silly sayings, your best life is surrender to Jesus. Everything else is a lie. Everything else will end you in a place of being uh, empty and wanting and longing for something else other than Jesus. Now, I will say, as we get into this um, and talk about this, in um, the baptism, especially public baptism, uh, is a good uh, precursor of it, is that it's going to be uncomfortable at times and inconvenient. So sometimes we think, you know, if we follow Jesus, great, he's going to make everything go smoothly. And that's just not the truth. The truth is, in spite of things not going smoothly, you can trust and have faith in Jesus, which we're going to see through all of these stories. So before we get into this, I want to ask God again to speak. 
So let's pray. Jesus, it is by your power and your spirit that we're transformed. It's by you leading us into what faith is that moves us. You're the author and perfecter of this. And so, Lord, as we read about what faith looks like, even through the lens of Old Testament characters, Lord, I pray that we would see what they saw, the hope of what was declared to be and to come. So do that today as we hear your word. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be uh, in Hebrews 10 for one second, one verse, and then we're going to do, um, I think, 16 verses of chapter 11. And there's more stuff that we could keep going, and it would, it would be a drum that I'm going to start beating in the first 16 voice, uh, verses that continues to get uh, hammered the whole time. So you, could, you should continue to read these. And the beauty of Hebrews, if you keep reading um, chronologically, you'll end up in James, which is another, I was reading that this morning in my devotions. If you're unsure of what faith looks like, then continue into James, and it will continue to tell you the same thing. So here we go. Hebrews 10, verse 39. And he's talking about here, just precursor to this, he's talking about all this stuff that's coming this way, all, all of this trials and tribulations, and um, basically resistance to them living their faith. But in verse 39, it says, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Shrinking back, which is not stepping into what Jesus has called us to step into, leads where? Through the Word. If we, For those who shrink back and are destroyed, destruction in us, whether it's little or big, whether it's just not walking into the things that God has for us, or it's us completely missing Him. But those who have faith, they persevere. They, I was almost going to name my title, which is just faith today. Uh, I was going to call it pressing on because that's what this is. It's stories of people that trusted God in spite of what the circumstances look like. And so what 39 builds up is it talks about faith that leads to life and persevering. And chapter 11 is going to answer what does that faith look like? And so verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Part of what we're living for right now is not something that we've entered into, meaning we have not entered into the, the kingdom of Jesus. We're, we're, we're the already, but not yet. He, he started it, but we're not living in his perfection yet. We're not face to face with him. We're, we're not living in the promise that we will be, although we see the promise so much clearer than the ones that we're going to talk about today, because we actually saw what they only hoped for, which is Jesus. Verse 2, it says, For by it the people of old received their, received their combinations. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What God's going to do in you is not going to be done in you through what you can accomplish. It's going to be in surrendering to him. He's going to take what wasn't there and make it something. He's going to take what we, because to be completely honest, at one point we were people without faith and he gave us something that wasn't there, which we're going to see here as he walks through these. Faith is trusting God to keep his 
promises. And so now we're going to get into Old Testament biblical characters that are going to illustrate the point of what faith looks like. Verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Let me just tell you, the human race has struggled from the beginning. Like, if you've had issue with your children, they probably haven't murdered each other yet. If they have, I'm sorry that I've just brought that up. But, like, this was the first, the, the, the first two kids. You're like, Adam and Eve, so they, they sin or are removed from the garden. They're, they're out suffering now in the reality of what life is outside of this presence and fulfillment of who Jesus is or who God is. Um, and we're going to see it fulfilled in Jesus. And they're out. And their first two kids get in an argument because one of them gives a right sacrifice. And there's so much in this. I mean, so Abel is a shepherd, so he offers a blood sacrifice. He sacrifices animal, which is what we see what Jesus is going to do. He is a precursor to saying, like, this is what is necessary to do. So his brother Cain was um, the, the farmer, he, and he took his first crops. And you may think, well, this is great because he's taking what he's doing, and there's lots of commentaries on this, that he, he took kind of a, a, not even his best, whether it's true or not. He didn't take what was required. And the understanding here is they knew to an extent what God was looking for, and Abel did what God was looking for, and Cain did what he wanted. And this is the struggle that we're going to live with, is that are we going to do what God is asking us to do? Or are we going to do what we want, hoping that it's good enough? Which we see here. And I love the grace that we see after this, because God didn't just go, Cain, I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you. You're out of the second garden. Like, get out of here. And we see this in Genesis 6, where this actually happened. It, the, the Lord tried to correct him in verse 6 in chapter 4 of Genesis. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? He's saying, If you do the right thing, like you'll be in this position. God has not shunned Cain forever. And if you, I mean, this is a bigger truth here, and some of us need to hear this part. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. That's where we're at with Jesus. Our, 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 our flesh and our world is surrounded by things that want to pull us in a direction that is going to isolate us from this grace and peace that Jesus gives us. And he's saying, hey, have power over that because he's telling us and not the doing. Okay, remember Ephesians 2, because you're like, well, if I do the right thing, I'll be accepted. God is trying to bring Cain back. Um, But Cain does come back. He gets so angry that God accepts his brother's sacrifice that he goes out and kills him. Murders. It's the first murder in the first 
family, in the first generation. And we wonder, like, why is our world going crazy? It's been crazy from the beginning. I mean, murder from the first. What is inside comes out in our actions. And this is what happens with Abel. Abel, out of the inside of him trusting and believing in the right sacrifice, gave it. Cain, out of the inside of him, comes anger, malice, wrath, and murder. And 1 John 3 says that we should not be like Cain, who was, the, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Remember we talked about in, in John 3.16 right after that? It's like, why does the world not like us? Because it does not want their evil deeds exposed. That's why it doesn't like our light. It doesn't like, hey, this is wrong and this is right. They want, you know, let's just make our own decisions. Like Abel, our faith lasts beyond our, de- beyond our death. I love this point. I mean, we're still hearing about his faithfulness years later. Thousands of years later, his faith is still speaking. And I, I want to just, I want to declare this to you. If you'll walk in faithfulness, your faith will speak past your death. If you walk in faithfulness, your faith will still be speaking even though you aren't here to voice the words anymore. Verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was even taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Okay, okay. Let's just say hope for crazy parents. Who's his father? Cain. So, Cain, Genesis is great. God, Cain's like, they're going to murder me. Like, I'm just going to be killed out in the streets. This is what Cain's saying. He's like, no, they won't. And, and God still protects him. And out of Cain comes, well, there was only two people in the Bible that didn't experience death. He's one of them. And it doesn't give us a whole lot of how and what he did. And I would love to see, like, what did his life actually look like? But it was pleasing to God. He literally walked with God. That's what he did. And because of that, he didn't even experience death. God just took him one day. I mean, his exit wasn't as as great as Elijah's in the flaming chariot. I mean, like... It is. It is. I mean, I, I think he was, Elijah was like, come on, you got to do a little bit better than that. There wasn't that many people back then. Like, I need people to know. <laughs> but Enoch walked with God. As simple as that. It wasn't even like, oh, he did this amazing thing. It doesn't say anything about these accomplishments he did. And I just want you to know one of the greatest things that you can ever do is walk with God. Period. If you never accomplish anything the world is going to talk about, if you faithfully walk with God, it's pleasing to him. Like, I, I, I truly believe when he talks about the talents, when Jesus talks about the talents in the New Testament, he's given every one of us a talent. And some of us are one, two, five, ten. Like, the, just because of what he gives us, like the outcome of what we do with it is faithfulness. It's not what we produce. 
It doesn't matter. Like the, the person that made it 10 isn't any better than the two guy. We just don't want to be the one guy that buried it and didn't do anything with it. It's the return. It's the faithfulness with it. And then uh, in verse 6, it says, and this is a, a very quotable verse for those that are looking for verses to memorize. This is um, one that a lot of people have, and it would be great for you to add to your collection. In verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is why we sing. This is why you're hopefully sitting here in this room, because you believe that there's something that God is doing in this world that you want to be a part of. Like you're, you're, you're in faith going, God's going to do something great. I just want to be a part of it. I don't want to lead the charge. Like, let me just tell you, for those who have been extras in a TV show, um, we're just extras. This isn't our story. We may have bigger roles in the story, but we're never going to be the star of the show. Nothing you do that pleases God will be done without faith. Listen to this in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So if you're connected to God, leaning into God, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. And look at this. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're trying to change your world, but you're not surrendering to Jesus, it's not going to work. It doesn't happen. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes through faith. Look, whoever feels that they've struggled and been faithful and you're like, where's God? Read Noah's story. God came to Noah to a generation that had never seen rain. The water was it came up through um, um, dew like that. They, so, they, you know, if we're talking about rain. We're like, yeah, yeah, it might rain. And we live on the coast. And we if you lived here during Florence, you know that a lot of rain can come and it can it can do some damage. But like he speaks to a man. Hey, I'm going to flood, which they don't understand this area. And I want to build I want you to build this boat. And he went out in his backyard and started building this boat And this boat. It wasn't like Evan Almighty where he finished it in a short period of time. 120 years he worked on this boat, faithfully, every day. Could you imagine the ridicule he went through? Could you imagine his neighbor going, oh, look at the cloud, I think it's going to rain. And it doesn't, of course. Maybe there weren't even clouds. Every day, ridicule after ridicule after ridicule. But he faithfully served because, why? Because he trusted that what God said he was going to do, he was going to do. That was it. So when other yahoos began to tell him who he was and what his value was and how idiotic he was and why he was, you know, deforesting whatever to build his boat, he just pressed in because God told him that this was going to happen and his faithfulness produced that. He believed when God warned, he acted. Verse 8, it says, by faith... 
Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place that he was <clears throat> that he was to receive as an inheritance. As he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith, he went to live in a land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham trusted God with his future. And I don't, I mean, we move around. We're, we're kind of a transient culture. In the U.S. Like there's no, most of us aren't from here. Anybody from like Leland, Winnebo, like born one, two, two people in this whole room. So the rest of us have just been like, hey, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. Well, in this culture, you didn't leave the safety and security of the inheritance, which is the land that your family has. You didn't leave it. That's where you were. That's where you're going to stay. And God shows up and talks to Abraham and Abraham leaves. With nothing. He just says, I'm going to lead you. And he goes. There was no like, hey, Abraham, I'm going to, you know, here's, here's, here's some money. And here's the map to get you where you're going to go. And it's going to be here. And it even says that he lived in tents. He didn't even make a foundation. He didn't even build a city. Because he was trusting that his home wasn't here. He was looking forward to what God was going to do through him. And he was faithful. And I'm telling you, for those that haven't read the story of Abraham, spend some time. We look at the Bible through the two or three pages that his story is on. And we go, man, this is great. We know how it's going to end. And most of you do. But the reality is when God said, hey, you're going to have a child, which was part of that promise, the seed that he was going to give him. And you may not know this, but... Abraham and Sarah, they were already old when God promised, and God waited 25 more years. 25. I mean, I'm sure that first year was super exciting. But like, hey, babe, I'm going to have a baby. Year two, year three, year four, year five, ten, fifteen, in the middle. I don't even have time to talk about that story. But I'll just pre-warn any husband whose wife says, hey, like... I brought this other lady. Just say no. Just say no. Okay? The answer is always no. It didn't go well for Abraham, and it won't go well for you, okay? 25 years of trusting. Hey, God said he was going to do this. And he's like, okay. 25 years. And the Bible is filled almost, I could be wrong here, but almost no one who's done great things for God that's recorded in the Bible has it happened instantaneously. Or has it happened with ease or without conflict? And so as we face things, conflict and, and resistance, we should go, this is just how it is. But God's promise is true. And we're going to keep moving forward. Verse 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead was born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand of the seashore. 
Sarah trusted God with what she couldn't control. And if you read the story, coming closer to the actual birth, angel comes and says, you know, this time next year you'll have a child. And she's sitting there listening. And, she's like, <laughs> and you're like, how dare she? 25 years or 24 years, two months and whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'm going to have it. You know how long you've been telling me that? And, and now I'm well past. She might have had some hope at the beginning. And completely honest, if God would have given the baby at that first stage, they would have probably go, well, you know, we could have we could have done this. God needed to take them all to the way to the end of the rope to go. There is no way this is going to happen without God. So when Isaac was born, there was no like, yeah, I'm great. You're like, she's like, well, this womb was done and God did something miraculous. And, you know, it continues on. I encourage you, read the whole, the, the, read all of 11. 11 is just awesome. I mean, we're not even going to look at Isaac. And so God brought him 25 years and brought him this promise, let him enjoy his son and said, I want you to go sacrifice him. Which was a, a practice that he's aware of. Like, this is something that other pagan nations did. So it wasn't like this unheard of thing, but he did it. Like he went to the moment of going to stab the promise, because in his mind, he was going, if this is what God wants, he'll raise him from the dead. Like he had that much faith in him. Mm. So we did not even got time for that. That's not even today. Mm. 13. And here's here's the critical point. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Even in their death, he got to see his son, but he didn't get to see, I mean, this, he didn't get to see the descent. He didn't get to see us. Abraham's faith brought us. This is what we're walking into. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth for people who see, who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago? Don't live like this is heaven. Don't live like this is where we're going to end up. Live like what God promised us is in the future, and it is not here. And if, if our future is there, let's invest in it and not invest here. And I'm not saying, hear this, keep working, get a retirement account. Okay, like Heath, Heath Cadell is not saying, like, <laughs> let's just walk out on the road and God's going to, you know, he might lead you that way, but for the most part... Live here, but don't think this is it. Verse 15 says, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. They weren't even considering going back to where they were before. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Our faith has to be placed on the future of what God's going to do. Some of you in this room, all you can see is the misery and the torment and the hole that you're in. And you're like, how? I, I don't know where this, I don't know what to do next. I don't, and, and all I can tell you this morning is that if you love Jesus and are surrendered to, to, to Jesus, trust that he's going to lead you. And maybe not by an easy road. Remember Psalms 23? Though I lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, 
He led him through the valley of the shadow of death. Went like, hey, let's take this high road and miss all this other stuff. Though he leads us there, he's trusting on where he's being taken. So here, here's, I'm going to invite our worship team um, back up. And here's the things that I want you to hear. And I, I said them. I'm just going to retell them to you. And so what Jesus' is greater faith looks like is this. Trusting in the right sacrifice. Baptism doesn't save us. But baptism shows us and the world what sacrifice that we're trusting in, which is Jesus Christ. We have to trust in the right sacrifice. The beginning of real faith is trusting in the right thing, which is the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus' greater faith looks like someone who is willing to walk with God as their lifestyle. Look. Devotions won't save you, but they help connect you to the person who will. And if you don't connect there, you don't get to know and you don't get to hear the promises that you get to have faith in. I don't want you to have absent faith, meaning like I'm just going to have faith and it's all going to work out and it's all good. I want you to have faith of what he says it's going to be for you. I want you to have real faith. Jesus' greater faith always looks like, and hear this, listening to a warning and acting appropriately. Noah was told, this is what's going to come. And some of you in this room have been warned about things that you're allowing in your life. You've been warned about the consequences of certain behavior. You've been warned about these things. And all I'm telling you right now is stop regretting what you haven't done to this point. All I'm telling you right now is act appropriately. Move out of the things that he has asked you to and into the things that he's called you to. That's what life is. And, and, and for those like, well, I'm not really sure. Uh, most of us at the end of our like stupidity, we're like, man, we heard the Holy Spirit. We heard him. We heard him. Like, well, I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have went down there. I knew I shouldn't have called this prayer. We know. Like, let's be people who hear the warning of God. And part of the warning of God we're going to hear the loudest is in his word. You're going to see it. Trusting God with our future is another thing that is Jesus is greater. Your future may not look that great right now, and that's okay. Abraham, when he was out in the desert, living in tents, was probably thinking to himself, Man, promise land. It doesn't seem too promising. But in spite of what it seemed like, he was willing to continue to do the things that God has called him to do. And the last thing, and this is probably the hardest for all of us control freaks. I would have you raise your hands, but we know who you are. You know who you are. (laughs) Jesus' greater faith looks like trusting God in what you cannot control. And let me hear this for those who are hard-hearted and hard of hearing. There's a lot more that you think you can control that you can't. Let's just be honest. The things that we think we've got under control, it's just an illusion. It's just a plate that's spinning. And we've got to trust God with those things that we can't. And, and the best way to do that is start, start declaring them now. Like, you know what those things are. You know what you're just like, I can't, I don't know what to do with this. Literally giving God these things that you can't do. Like Sarah, 25 years. 
of trying to do what would cause them to have a child. Finally going, I still trust you. Even though 25 years have proven that this isn't working, when it came down to the end, she was still trusting God with that thing that she can't control. And so what does it look like for you? Where, this is another statement you're going to hear a lot of. Where do you need to make Jesus greater? Not in a theory, not in like, well, I should do this. Like, what what practically do you need to do right now? Because what we do shows us what God's doing internally. And if we're not doing with all these things that God's, that we're feeling that God's leading us to, that we're reading in his word, if we're not doing anything that we'll never get to experience. And James literally says, be doers of the word. If you're not doers of the word, you're people that look at your face intently in a mirror and you walk away and you forget what you look like. If you want to know God, the best way to do that is do the word. Because that's how we remember who he is. If we just memorize it and we think about it, and it's just a, it's an understanding that we think we have, but we don't do anything with it, it is not transformational. So what part of the word of God have you been ignoring that you need to step into? And so what I'm, I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going to encourage you one other thing. There is a greater likelihood that you'll follow through with what you feel today that you need to change if you'll invite somebody into that. I'm not going to say it's a 0% chance, but if you leave here going, this is what I'm going to do and it's only here. The likelihood is that you probably won't follow through. Now, I'm not saying there's some in here that will, you're bulldogs and you will continue and press, but the majority of us, including me, there is a higher level of success if you just invite somebody into it. Like, this is something that I felt today that I need to do. And I want you to ask me about it. Like, this is a commitment. Like, I'm, I felt compelled to go out to our property at 5 o'clock in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'm, there's, I'm just going to be 100% honest. There's a lot of mornings at 420 when my alarm goes off. And it's cold. And I'm like, not today. Today, but so far I've not missed one day. Tomorrow I'll be back out there. Wednesday and Friday will be my first two that I've missed, but I will not be in the state, so that's my my reason for not being there. <clears throat> but what is God asking you to do? And let me just tell you, like I've gone out there and nothing's happened so far. Like that owner of that building hadn't called me and said, Heath, I just want to give it to you yet. Um, but I'm going to continue to go out there. And that's not the only thing that I'm praying for. But I'm praying for our future. And um, as I have conversations with you guys, and I see our prayer requests on Sundays that go out that you write in, I'm going, God, do something. Because the truth is, I'm not your Savior. I can't fix your problems. Um, but I can keep pointing you to the person who can. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. We, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your long suffering. We thank you for your continuing. Lord, we thank you for, for that conversation that you had with Cain. If nothing else shows us that you're willing, in spite of our lack of interest in doing what you want us to do, you're still interested in pulling us back to you. And I pray this over this group. 
Lord, if we don't make you greater in our life, we're going to miss our whole purpose of being here on this planet. And Lord, the only way that we can do that is taking a step into something that you're asking us to. And so, Lord, I pray that by the divine power of the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now, that you would bore into us just one thing, this one word that says, son or daughter, this. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith of Abel and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Enoch. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to trust your word over how we feel and over the logic of the situation, but we would trust in you. And Lord, I pray over those in this room that today might be just the simplistic call of saying, God, I trust you with my life. Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior and not have this moment, but begin this journey. So, Lord, I pray that you would call us into new levels of obedience. And not obedience out of winning your favor or getting what our hearts desire, but obedience out of trust and faith that you have what's best for us and we're going to follow you. And, Lord, over the, the suffering, over the torment, over the things that are going on internally right now, Lord, we just declare you're greater than depression. You're greater than a bad diagnosis. You're greater than a struggling relationship. You're greater than, than a financial situation that's terrifying. Lord, you're greater than our lack of control in being what our kids need. From us. Lord, I pray that we would submit and surrender to you. Because, Lord, you're, you're so much stronger and smarter and wise than we are. So, Lord, we thank you uh, for what you're going to do today as we walk in obedience. We pray that Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.